0: Hello
1: everyone, welcome to another episode of Fourth Wall the Podcast. I'm Elena Newell. And I'm Abigail Brazier. And today we have a really special treat for you guys. Uh, today is the first time we're mm, talking a juicy treat. Oh, it's so juicy. Like the juiciest, most delicious, like most well-done plant-based ground burger you've ever had in your life. <music> name is Kate Lumpkin she is a casting director with some incredible credits that you'll hear about very shortly and we just get down to it and talk about her perspective on diversity in theater as a casting director not only that but as a female casting director and how she you know she she shows up speaks up she shows up she doesn't back down from what she believes in and that's why we love her
0: yes we really get into just like she, she's so extremely self-aware when it comes to her place in the world. She understands her privilege. She understands, um, she understands her purpose. And she also understands very clearly where she fits into the theater mold, into the theater industry, and how to best use that to uplift others. She was just extremely, I don't even know, just extremely articulate about how she felt. She was so very tuned into herself. And it was so refreshing to speak to someone who just knows themselves in such a, deep way you know oh yeah she knew what she wanted to say she knew how she wanted to
1: say it and she dropped some knowledge bombs on us would you agree boom 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 boom
0: that's all the knowledge bombs being dropped Ah, oh
1: my god what is that all these knowledge
0: bombs are falling on me elena okay i'm i'm sure they're tired of listening to us speak and i'm sure that they want to listen to kate so Uh, we're gonna pass y'all down to that wonderful interview that we just had peace We are here with the wonderful Kate Lumpkin. Kate, for the people who, you know, they don't know what theater is or they live under a rock. Like, let them know who
2: you are. Hey friends who live under a rock, (laughs) what's up? I'm sure you don't actually live under a rock, but I'm Kate Lumpkin. I am a casting and creative director based out of New York City. Um, uh, For those of you who live under a rock, a casting director is the person who basically is hired to help find and acquire the talent for new plays, musicals, TV shows, all that jazz. Um, So that's what I do to fill my days. I specifically work mostly on new projects. Um, I'm very inspired by new creative teams and new writers. uh, And I have cast shows all over the country, all over the world. Uh, I've worked at some pretty big regional theaters like the Kennedy Center, the Actors Theater of Louisville, the ART, all of which specialize in in creating revolutionary work. Um, I've also worked in New York City at the New York Theater Workshop, the Musical Theater Factory. I've done a lot of shows off Broadway um, and in LA. I also work for Celebrity Cruises and I help cast people who are working on cruise ships, um, which is a very exciting space to be as well. And I studied, actually, I studied theater, but I also, uh, my my real studies are in anthropology, sexual anthropology, uh, and folklore. So it's been, I, I was an actor for a long time, an anthropologist, yes. and now a casting yes. director. Yeah, perfect. Is that okay? <laughs> oh, it's my so goodness. okay. That's awesome. That's All right, so great. <laughs>
3: interesting. <laughs> All right, so Kate is here to talk with us today about diversity in theater and how that works in the context of being a casting director. So um, let's just jump right in. How do you see your experience as a woman in casting and more specifically as a white woman in casting and how does that affect your ability to lead and make the waves that you want to?
2: Yeah, Um, I'm gonna answer that question that I think that you're asking where how do you see yourself as a woman in casting is kind of a very broad question. So I think, It has been a really challenging and interesting journey, especially, yes, I am a white woman. I'm a white cis woman. I am, for those of you who can't see my face, I'm a young white cis woman under 40 um, who started my own business about four and a half years ago after working for a, a couple other companies. Um... And to say that it's been an easy journey would be a lie. (laughs) It would definitely be a lie. Uh, You know, it's interesting. Casting does have a lot of female identifying people who work as casting directors, but it is still predominantly a male identifying craft and career, Um, specifically a white cis male identifying uh, craft and career. And what's been really exciting for me as a young female identifying person, as a young woman, uh, has been trying to navigate this journey, um, from starting my own business and, and trying to be in charge of rooms. Um, When I decided to start my own business, I had worked for several other companies and I learned so much from working from other companies, a lot of great things and a lot of things that I knew I did not want to do if I had my own space. Um, And so I decided that I was going to go on my own. And, you know, I've said this like a thousand times on podcasts, but it's true. It was my mantra when I started this. I would rather have my name on three shows that I really care about that were game changers than work on 300 shows in one year for somebody else doing it the same same old way. So when I set out to start my business, I really wanted to create, I wanted to work with creative teams that I really respected who had challenging new works that were pushing the narrative of who that were pushing the, the theatrical narrative, who were trying to change what we were seeing on stages. And I really wanted to create stages that Uh, were reflective of the world we actually live in or at least try to work with people who I knew were moving in that direction, um, that were open to those conversations. Because of course, as you know, casting directors make no final decisions, unfortunately. If not, if I could, some of the things I've worked on would look very different, which is one of the challenges of being a CD. But specifically as a woman and as a young woman, I have definitely been in positions where people, I can see, either I can see on someone's face that they don't trust that I have the ability to lead the room, even if they've already hired me, or um, I've had people say things to my face <laughs> that reflect that truth. And I have had to work very hard to acquire new accounts, to get people to trust me, to get people to think that I um, can, like I said, lead a room, put my name on the door and own the space and, and get what people need. I've also been so fortunate that because I decided to reach out to really innovative and new and interesting creative teams, people really want to work with me. Those people really are excited to work with me and excited to work with someone new and young and, and interested and invested in changing um, our stage pictures. So it's it's been a wild ride. Uh, I'm still on this roller coaster, <laughs> so um, at this point, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen next? Um, but it has been yeah. a challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You were talking about like creating your own space to push the narratives that you want to push, and actually, like making the shows that you do uh, make them reflect the world around us. But you also have been working in other facets of the theater industry, like your company, No Marking, I'd love to talk about. Also, you're the head of education for the Broadway Collective. Um, I kind of also want to talk about your experiences in those different categories of performance and how you've Taking your mantra that you've placed into your casting and how you place those into those industries as well. Yeah,
2: I think something that I learned really quickly in this life is that if you have a mission, quite often, if you only put your mission towards one goal, you'll only see that change in that one space. And so many things in this life lead into all of the other pieces. So something that I am very passionate about is education. I think education leads to opportunity. Opportunity leads to change. Right? We know this. And so I, like you said, I. I'm the head of education at the Broadway Collective, which was it, which was, which is a company that was founded by um, Robert Hartwell, who if you don't know who Robert is, he's is just like everything. Um, game changer, Broadway dancer, performer, singer, actor, now CEO, just living his best life. Um, He is a Black entrepreneur who has just fundamentally changed the game of education for musical theater students. I'm really proud to work there. Um, And we do a lot of education all over the country, in New York, online, for students between the ages of 12 to we have people who are in their 40s and beyond, but mostly like 12 to 19. And we approach theater from a holistic and whole person perspective. So you're going to get the tools and techniques that you need, but also who are are you, what do you want? How are you going to get it? What kind of work feeds your soul? And who are you as a person? What's your worldview? So, we're, we're trying to start that young, um, rather than creating you know factory performers, as it were. Um, and then no marking is something that I started uh, the day that Broadway shut down due to COVID. I was like, all right, people are going to be in their homes and they're going to be not able to take classes. Everyone has just lost all of their money, <laughs> me included. Um, mm-hmm. so I was like, A, selfishly, what am I going to do to get my butt out of bed every day? Because I have no business. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, I got to have a project or I'm going to go crazy. Um, I started No Marking, which is um, a completely, it is run completely free. So everyone who works on it works pro bono. And everyone who is educated by it does not pay a single cent to do that. Um, And it's basically free online health, wellness, and business and industry insight classes for professionals in the theater over 18. So we have had over 125 teachers, almost 200 hours of free programming over the last several months. Um, And we're actually about to go into July um, where Tyler McKenzie, who is just a brilliant human, um, who I think is associated with this podcast as well. um, Tyler is co-hosting and co-creating the curriculum for the month of July. Mm -hmm. Um and we have a big announcement tomorrow. It's gonna be very exciting. Um Mm -hmm. but yeah, so that's gonna be cool. This was supposed to just be started as like I when COVID happened, I was like, oh, this will just be a couple weeks, it'll be fun. And now Mm -hmm. here we are four months later, and it's like a real thing. Yeah.
3: (laughs) That's about how we feel about the podcast. At the beginning of the month, we were like, let's do a podcast about this. And now it's like so real, we're like, whoa, it's this real thing
2: that we can touch and feel in our hands. It's so cool. But it's just proof, right? If you have an idea, don't sit on it, do something. I just literally put in. I put a, no marking started with a Facebook status. I said, if I start this, will anybody show up? We have 8,000 people in our group now from all over yeah. the world. There are schools who are using no marking as supplementary cu- curriculum, um, colleges in the Philippines, in Sweden, in Chile, using these classes and it's all free. And that is going to be the change. Mm-hmm. When people have access to education and spaces where they can ask questions, and they don't have to choose between eating and learning, we will then see a change in our industry. Period. And the world. Oh, that is that is it. That is the one.
3: So good. So uh, just really quickly, going back to that first question, you were talking about different challenges that you have as a casting director, and maybe sometimes the cast doesn't always look how you want it to. Could you speak a little bit to that?
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So. Yeah, I think what's so interesting, I don't think people really actually understand what a casting director does a lot of the time. I think because there's no degree in what I do, right, it is an apprentice-based business. You learn casting from doing casting. There's no classes, there's no school, um, which leads to a couple things. One, that is why casting looks the way it looks, right? If it is something that is built entirely on relationships and for decades has been led by white leaders and you are finding people through relationships, we see this, right? As an anthropologist, this is a very obvious trajectory of why something looks the way it looks, which is why we have to break that wheel and break that system, create educational platforms to teach people where there's equal opportunity to create those classrooms rather than something built entirely on connection but that's another tangent yeah. never mind but in terms of those challenges are because people don't really know what casting is they think like we make all the lists bring everybody in and we make final decisions as to who ends up on that stage and that's just not after it Casting is hired by the same people who pay checks to actors, right? I get my paycheck from the producers, just like an actor does. I am hired by the producers and the creative team, just like an actor is. And I am basically a freelance independent contractor, just like an actor is. So I have to audition, quote unquote, for my jobs. Really, it's like interviewing for my jobs. I have to go in, I have to prove myself. I have to you know, pitch in essence, what my vision for how this work will happen. And I'm either chosen or I'm not. There are lots of really cool projects that I've been, you know, up for like in the final callbacks as it were. And then I don't get just like actors, right? Where you get your hopes up, you do all this work and then it's not a fit. Or you, I, there've been multiple times where I didn't get a job because I don't have a Broadway credit, mm. right? Um, just like other actors. So when we say like, we're on your team, we really are. Not only are we on your team wanting you to get the job, but we're in the same, the same boat. Like we have to fight for our jobs. We often don't get them for similar reasons to why you don't, uh, we get the same reasons of like, oh, it just wasn't a fit or not right for this or it doesn't have the right credits. Like it's the s- <laughs> same yeah. language, right? And then when we're in the room, at the end of the day, a huge portion of my job is really knowing the actors, knowing people, knowing, um, trying to get to know them not just their talents, which is also something I need to know, but also who they are, what kind of energy they bring to a space, what kind of directors they really work well with, because we know not everybody works well with different types of learning and and technique. And so then at the end of the day, when we kind of whittle down to final decisions, one thing that I really do is talk through final decisions, what, what I know about these people, how I think these people might work together, anything I know. But Beyond that, I don't make any final decisions. That comes down to the directors, the creative team, and the producers, right? <laughs> I think it was Amber Mann during the um, Broadway Coalition Forum, which was her. so fucking incredible. I, love her. Um, I think she was like, "Honey, look for the coin, follow the coin," right? And that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, follow the coin. That's who makes the final decision. Um, so casting, really, and I'm not trying to defend the craft because I do the craft, but really, what we do is provide the opportunities, right? We really we try to get to know people, and we do provide the space. Now. that does does mean that we provide space, right? So the people coming into the room, that is partially on us. The other part is on the creative team because the first thing I always ask when I start a session is who do we have to see, right? So if the creative team is looking for someone who is um, supposed to be on paper like uh, a very specific thing and they ask me to bring in someone who is entirely the opposite of that, I'll say, are you sure we're talking about the same character? And if they say yes, I'll say, okay, great, bring him in, right? Um, And we do it. So that's about 60-40, about 40% creative team asks and about 60% what I bring into the space. So the challenge is really, at the end of the day, we can bring in tons of different options, tons of different people, bring in really new, fresh faces, bring in really interesting choices that challenge what's in the text of the, the script. And people can kill it. <laughs> they can just crush mm-hmm. it and do amazing work. And it still is not up to them or me to make the final decision. It's up to the producers, which I think is the biggest challenge because at the end of the day, the title that I have is casting director. And that is what shows up in the playbill. And for people who don't know the process, it looks like that means I have made those choices. Um, and that's hard sometimes, especially when I really don't necessarily agree with mm-hmm. the choice, but I don't get to decide. Yeah. I've been talking about <laughs>
0: No, you You were talking about your job basically is to provide the opportunities and to almost be like a team member of the actors, of the performers coming in. Do you feel, um, especially right now with all of the stuff being discussed right now in terms of diversity in theater and acceptance and inclusion in theater, do you feel an added weight of making sure that you're trying to bring in the most diverse bodies as possible? And if so, how do you go about um, bringing those voices in without you know, stepping over bounds, you know, stepping on people's toes, being too controlling over the situation, like in a respectful way, bringing to the producers, people that may not look like their ideal performer, but there's no
2: reason that they shouldn't be considered. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And I don't think of it as an added weight. Like, I think of it as a privilege at my job, right? Like, at the end of the day, the privilege of my position is that I do control to some degree, who comes into that room. And so it is a privilege to get to take breakdown language and try to adjust it to be more accurate, more inclusive, more um, equitable, right? To to look at the, the script and say, hey, there is nothing in here that identifies this person's race, body, identity, anything about them. Does that mean that I can Do what I do best and bring in lots of different people, identities, bodies, you know, ideas and really asking those questions. And the first thing that I always say when I start working with a team is like, hey, I need you to know, don't pick me if you don't want me to ask you questions. Um, If you want this to be a super easy, breezy project, um, like don't choose Mm me. That's not what I'm here for. So I don't think of it as a, a burden or whatever, whatever word you used. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. of it as an opportunity. I, I will say there's nothing more frustrating than the reality that nobody sees my sessions sheets except for me the team in my office who helps to create them and the creative team members in that room. So at the end of the day, you can have a cast that people have decided on that is a predominantly white cast and no one will see the session sheets that are you know, 65, 75% you know, people of color in different bodies and different identities, right? Um, that's frustrating. It's frustrating as a CD because you can do the work and it's still not necessarily reflect, reflected in the final product. Um, and again, I have worked with creative teams where it's like totally reflected in the final product, and it's awesome. And you know, this is not like an all-encompassing thing, but I do think that that is a challenge. Mm. The challenge is not bringing people to the table. The challenge is getting them in. You know, the contract, and and mm. I have no control over that, which is which is hard. Um, but you asked something else specifically about how, where do I find people. Was that something you asked? How do you advocate for those people without
0: stepping out of your designated I guess position
2: yeah I think it's it's not it's not even that it's just mm-hmm. doing it right at the end of the day my designated position as it were uh is to be the voice of the actors in that space is to uh, provide a plethora of options that is what I'm hired for right is to provide options and to not really defend but to explain and and enhance what people have done in the space the only thing I feel like I have to Ever, you know, get defensive about as if someone is having an off day, and I know they're having an off day, and I'm like, ah, bring them back, bring them back, defend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ah, they can do better. Um, but it, we have to stop looking at it like stepping on people's toes, and we have to start looking at it as having challenging conversations that shouldn't be that challenging. Actually, having conversations um, to push and further the the landscape of storytelling and and what is happening on our stages.
3: This is so great. I'm learning things that I never knew about casting directors. And for the, for the people at home, just really quickly, what is a session sheet? Mm.
2: So a session sheet is basically. Um, either printed or a PDF that is the the sheet of all of the actors who are coming in for the day. So, you know, a session sheet could literally be one person if it's just a one-on-one session or if it is a full day of, you know, dance calls all day, it can be 19 pages long. And so a session sheet will have actors' headshots on it, it will have their name, the character they're coming in for, and their contact information, and then places for notes. So everybody who's on the creative team or the accompanist or the reader will have a session sheet. So they can take notes on people so that when we go back at the end of the day, we can have conversations and and be able to reference those sheets to say, oh yeah, we saw them at uh, three o'clock, go back to page six. What did everyone think? So it's just yeah. like a tool used, um, but those session sheets, right, would be something if people could have access to those, they would be able to see yeah. who actually all came in, who was represented in that space versus who is on the stage mm-hmm. at the end of the day.
3: Wow, uh, yeah. So how does that make you feel when you've chosen an amazingly diverse cast and then to see the that the final product is much different than the one that you chose?
2: It makes me feel like I did my job really well. Because what I have control over are those session sheets, right? Um, And until the job of a casting director changes where there's more agency and authority at the end of the process, then Mm -hmm. I have no control other than really fighting for and communicating my beliefs at the end while we're doing the kind of rubric. And I am very proud of the language and the things that I say in those moments. But at the end of the day if, if like you say, I look at that session sheet and I'm really proud of what's happened in those rooms, how people were treated, how people were talked to, um, how people felt when they walked in the space and left the space. Um, Mm. and there is a reflection of different identities, backgrounds, bodies, all of that on my sheets, then I have done my job very well. If I am not the executive producer bringing in the coin or the director making those final decisions, I, I can't, I can't Um, berate myself (laughs) till kingdom come. Yeah.
3: All right, so then as a casting director, what ongoing practices do you see in these other seats that are behind the table that you think really have to change in order for this part of our industry to get better?
2: I mean, the first thing I think we can all do is stop with this nonsensical language of behind the table. I'm so fucking sick of it and I just wish it would die. When we say behind the table, the table becomes a wall. Mm. It becomes a separator between creator and creatives and actor and creatives. Um, And I just think it's such an antiquated term. It's lazy. It's a lazy term. And it sets up power structures that do not need to be in play. I feel like we can all be at the table, like if we need to have like a table reference, I would love for us to all be at the table and to join at the table. But I really think like there's so much conversation in our political world right now, in our humanitarian world about walls and creating barriers and power structures and something as simple as our language of saying behind the table, we can shift that. We can shift that language and make it feel more equitable and not quite so scary. Um, So that's the first thing. In terms of other practices that I think, we need to be working on collectively. Um, I think there are a lot of things. And one thing we have to remember is that casting directors are independents, right? Even big offices like, you know, Telsey and Tara Rubin's office and Jim Carnahan, these kind of big ones that are working on like 97 Broadway shows, bless up, good for (laughs) you, you nailed it. Even they are kind of independent in their own worlds. There's no set standards of practice for what casting means. There's no um, like official union affiliation. The CSA is an association. It's not a union like the Actors' Equity Union, right? So because of that, I think one thing that would be really tremendous is if we could come up with some sort of collective standards of practice as a casting Collective, um, allowing us still to be independence and fight for contracts just like actors do. Um, but that are standards of practice so we can be held accountable in spaces. Right now, I think a huge problem in casting is that there's no way to hold people accountable. And not just the CDs in the room, but also the people in the room, the people who show up that are creative team members. There's no way for an actor or a casting director. There's no one I can report someone to, right? Because there are no SOPs. So I think a huge step forward would be to have standards of practice for all casting directors. And I think every year, just like so many other careers, like if you're in food services, every year you have to do a safety check. You have to take classes and be certified to handle food. We work with human beings on a day-to-day basis. How is there no certification process for that? I think it would be brilliant if we had to do an annual, in essence, certification as casting directors that would include you know, diversity, inclusion, and equitable practices that would include updates on things that I think a lot of people are scared to ask, Mm. right? Um, You know, I work a lot with the trans community, with the non-binary and GNC community. And for the people who don't, I think there are a lot of people, especially people who have been in casting for 40 plus, 50 plus years, who are scared to ask questions because they don't want to be wrong. Well, what if we took that out of the equation and there was a certification process where we talked about pronouns in the certification process where it was a requirement. So instead of having to ask those questions to be scared, to be wrong, or to hurt someone, it's a part of your training. Every year, a certification. Um, I think that would be really helpful and beneficial across the board. Um, And it could be updated every year. I also think that we really need to work closely with, I think Actors Equity it needs to do a lot of work for their uh, for their membership um, and do some some learning and some listening to what their membership wants, and then be in really wonderful communication with the casting world to help work together to make things more equitable and to further the craft. Um, I also think that we have to work on our bedside manner collectively. I think that, um, for those of you who don't know what bedside manner is, it's something with doctors, right? We talk about good bedside manner when you're a doctor, how you communicate with your patient. Um, I'm not trying to say that actors are my patients. Um, but I do Mm -hmm. think we have to remember, honor the humanity of an audition space rather than treating it like it's a factory practice. Um, and to me, I think that means um, really ensuring that you have the capacity to be a human in that room and not overworked, not going crazy, working on so many projects that you can't really focus on the work that you're doing. Yeah. So that's more of an individual office basis, but I think that will really help with the process. Yes. yes. For um, yeah. We
0: have to wrap up soon, but before we go for Oh actors. goodness! I'm so
2: sorry. I've been talking. No, so much. it's
0: been you are you're phenomenal. You are so wonderful. I, if this could be a four hour thing, I would love that because everything you've said is just the words of wisdom are amazing. But for actors, um, who let's like the t- let's talk about those like queer performers, those people of color, those performers of color who enter the room mm-hmm. and they are scared between fighting between playing into those stereotypes that may have worked in different offices in the past. And then actually being authentic and going for what they genuinely want to go for without fear. What do you have for those performers who are trying to like walk that line of not necessarily going out for things that will necessarily fit their original mold that other casting teams may have placed them in like prior?
2: Yeah. Um, Oh, I love this question. I think that. You know, first of all, as a white, cis, straight woman, I am not here to tell anyone who does not identify as those things who to be, how to be, how to act, what to do in a space. That is not my place, that is not my position. Um, So I just want to put that into the universe. However, what I can say as a general note is that I firmly believe that the industry, that type is an antiquated notion, and it should have already died. It is moving quickly in that direction, quicker than we think. when I started this, when I started in casting seven years ago, I mean, honestly, the difference between when I started and where we are now in just seven years is unfucking believable. Um, so if we keep moving in this direction, I do think that great change will happen. But what I, all of that to say, I think that the industry used to really be looking for very specific, shiny, shiny, like fit this mold and do this thing. That's why it's called casting you are casting a mold, right? Casting is filling mold with concrete or whatever product to make a final product. That is what casting traditionally is. We have taken that word and acquired it for art, that our job is to fill a mold and create a product, right? Which is in your brain and it makes you think that's your job. But what I think is really happening is that We are seeing a shift towards rather than wanting actors who can do everything, be everything, fill the mold. We want to find original people. We're really interested in authentic, real voices. What is your point of view? What is your worldview? How do you bring that into the space? And I always say an audition room is actually an opportunity to educate the people in that space as to what you really are and what you want to be doing. And it might not be a fit for that show, but you should bring yourself into that room to the text, no matter what. So that when I see you in that space, cause usually I'm working on more than one project at a time. If I see you for the show and I'm like, mm, it's not right for this, but God, it's right for this, right? Like boop, 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 boop. We put you in that rooms to set you up for success. Yeah. Overall. I think the best use of your time in an audition room is not to try to be something that you think somebody else wants you to be. Mm. Um, but rather to bring truly your point of view to whatever text you're given. Because also, I will say this, you are not being paid to be the casting director. So stop trying to do my job. Because you don't actually know what the version this creative team is looking for in this project. Mm. You don't actually know what that thing is. So you might think you're coming in for a production that's the 19th revival of the same old, same old, and we're looking for the same, but you have no idea. So if you try to play into something that's not truthful to who you are, then you might be doing a real disservice because we actually might know what we're doing, right? And We actually might have brought you because of who you are. And if you deny it, then you're kind of fucking yourself over in that space. Um, So always walk in no matter what you're walking in for. Even if you think it's the most opposite of who you really are, do who you really are so that I know what room to bring you into next time that's going to set you up for success. Mm. That's what I think. I walk into every room doing who I am, whether you like it or not. Right, you, and there are a lot of people who probably do not like it, period, like that's fine, um, but I work with people who know my aesthetic, who know what I believe, who know I'm going to speak up, who know I'm going to call them out, and call them in, right? And those are the rooms that I feel safest to lead, bravest to lead, um, and I want everyone who is an actor coming into the space to feel and creative to come into the space and feel the same way.
3: Yeah, wow. Well, on that note, Kate, thank you so much for talking to us today, taking a little time out of your day to really get into the nitty gritty of this. Uh, tell the people where they can find you online.
2: Oh, you wanna stalk me? <laughs> okay, I every day is a party on my Instagram, which is just my name, at Kate Lumpkin. Um, you can also find more information about casting um, and what I do. For- for coin for my life um at mm-hmm. kate lumpkincom very creative and if you're interested in the free programming at no marking you can find that at the no marking society.com you can also just google the words no marking it pretty much pops right up and if you are a young person who's interested in joining us at the broadway collective you can find out more at bwaycollective.com yes thank you
0: so much for joining us and just talking with us and giving us all these little nuggets of wisdom that we are going to place into the ears of all the people listening. Oh, it was so good. It was so great.
2: Yay! Thank you for having me. This was so exciting.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in today at fourth
1: wall, the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at this is fourth wall, and you can send any questions, reflections, feedback, concerns, thoughts on your own experiences to hello at fourth We'll see you next time.